going on, Straight Talk Disciples? I am your host, George Kai. I'm in the building. Here with my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. Hello, Straight Talk Wrestling fans. What's going on, guys? We are live. It's <laughs> been... It's been a minute. <clears throat> it's been... The last time we went live, I think, was the Josh Profile, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Back at the tail end of good old 2018. We've been busy. We've been a couple of busy boys as of late. Oof. It's been a whirlwind, man. We've just been... Interview after interview after interview. We'll get into the. We'll run down the list a little later. But if you follow the Straight Talk pages, I'm sure most of you do. You will know that we have some kick-ass interviews coming up next couple of weeks. Four, in fact, which we'll run down at the tail end of the show. But today, today is a day of a day that we've been talking about and promoting for a very long time. Yet every time we went to do it, another interview popped up, and we had to just keep pushing it back. We became the EC3 of, of interviewing. It was just interview after interview after interview after interview. But yeah, it's uh, And it's, not it's one of cool one of us does not have 3% body fat. The other one probably does, but one of us sure as hell does not. But yeah, no, it's been it's been insane the amount of great content that we have coming. The uh, great indie wrestlers that took the time out to sit with us and chat with us. And uh, don't forget, all our episodes, new and old, are still available on all our platforms. Most recent interview we did, which the one we dropped last week, was Aiden Prince. That yep. was an awesome one-on-one sit-down that I had to do with that. And then right after this episode, we're jumping into another interview, another interview, another one, yep. and another one. And then after that, probably another one. We're working on locking down a couple more, so we should have a couple more in the can. But today is the Superstar Profile we were supposed to do back in February. Yep. That's how long we've been pushing this episode back. Today is my turn at the wheel, and I chose Marty Scroll. Yeah. The villain. The man, the myth, the legend, the all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing, Seek Tour of Saints. Yes, and this is uh, this is going to be really cool for a lot of people out there who, uh, uh, we'll, we'll tie this in at the end of the, uh, at the, at the end of this profile of just uh, these kind of a large topic of conversation these days of just what's going on with him, AEW, not so much, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Either way, Marty Skrull, very, very trending topic of conversation these days in the wrestling world. So I think this is going to shed a lot of a lot of awesome light for people in that regard. But uh, with all of that being said, George, take her away. All right, so Marty Skrull, another ring name he's been known by is Party Marty. That was, <laughs> that was back in the day when he first, first, first debuted. But now he's got a lot more edgy, a lot more cool. But Martin Skrull was born July 26, 1988. Very young boy in the game. As we all know, he was born in, well, some of us know, some of us don't know, Littleport, Cambridgeshire, England. That's where he was born. He's currently signed to Ring of Honor, where he has been the, so far, he's been the one-time Ring of Honor World Television Champion. He also does work for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. And and he's also the Never Open Weight Six-Man Tag Team Champion from May 2017 to late October 2018. He's all, he was a member of the Bullet Club stable, but now that they've kind of, well, still kind of floating around, but majority of them have now signed and, and locked up everything with AEW. So he is kind of floating, and floating such into a way where he came out with Villain Enterprises. Came out in full force. we got a clip later on the show that we'll play for that. Um, and uh, it, they also splintered into the new faction, the Elite, which we all know. Uh, the latter left Ring of Honor at the end of 2008, and it led Scroll to form a new stable with Ring of Honor's new signees, Brody King and PCO, called Villain Enterprises. They debuted in December, post-final battle television tapings. He's worked for the likes of uh, PWG, which is Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, TNA, Total Nonstop Action, PW Progress Wrestling, ICW, which is Insane Championship Wrestling, 
uh, Global Force Wrestling, Revolution Pro Wrestling, Westside Extreme Wrestling, and Combat Zone Wrestling since 2008. He has wrestled alongside the likes of Zack Sabre Jr. as the leaders of the New School on the independent circuit from 2014 to 2015, and he was also one of the hosts of Wrestle Talk TV on Challenge. So we're going to get break down pretty much his uh, independent circuit stuff. So independent circuit is pretty much from his debut in February 2005 to the present. Uh, he was trained at Frank Reimer's Drop Kicks, that's Kicks with two X's, training school, which would also produce wrestlers like Darren Burbridge, Martin Stone, The Cartel, and Paul Robinson. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out The Cartel and Paul Robinson, but I did some research in doing this profile. These are guys that we want to watch for, man. They're on the radar. They're definitely coming up. They're very cool, very edgy, very much like scroll in that aspect. So if you like the edginess to them, if you like the badassery, then you will definitely dig the likes of the cartel for sure. Uh, Marty made his debut for drop kicks at the Fondue Club in Perfleet, defeating Jimmy Starr by two falls to one. Uh, under the tutelage of John Ritchie, who was who by this time was the was in charge of drop kicks, Marty took part in drop kick shoot fighting tournament. The brainchild of John Ritchie himself. With two categories in place, middleweight and heavyweight. Scroll would go on to win the middleweight tournament and the process becoming Drop Kick's first middleweight champion. The heavyweight tournament was won by future WWE wrestler, one now former wrestler, Wade Barrett. Bad news, Barrett. Scroll also com competed regularly for summer promotions and at the end of the year, he formed the tag team with Paul Robinson as the Party Boys, which would again, in turn, the Party Marty moniker would take place. <laughs> Uh, or they were also known as the Midnight Ravers. But I'm going to stick with the Party Boys. I, uh, I dig it. Uh, Scroll would go on to appear for Premier Promotions, and this would be the place where he would meet Phil Powers, who he ended up wrestling many times in the summer season in the holiday camp circuit. On July 16th, Marty, would, Marty wrestled his idol, Steve Gray, losing two falls to one in summer promotions in Raleigh, Essex. Scroll was one of the eight men entering the British Wrestling United United's National Under-23 Championship Tournament, uh, he met uh, Strio in the first round of the match, went to non, non, a non-contest. Scroll later received a shot at the eventual winner, Sam Slam, in 2007, but was defeated. During the rest of the year, Scroll debuted for the likes of, again, IPW, UK, RQW, <coughs> wrestling. Uh, he also wrestled the likes of Johnny Storm, Daji Ishimori, uh, Bubblegum, and many others. On June 5th, 2007, he made his debut for All-Star Wrestling by defeating Jimmy Starr at Gravesand. He competed regularly for All-Star, including main event, sorry, main eventing uh, Fairfield Hills uh, against pro wrestler Noah's, pro wrestling Noah's Shuhari Tanagachi and Tosimitu Tanjananji. I apologize if I'm not saying the names right. In IPW UK, Marty would, Marty would reform his team with Zack Sabre Jr., but under the name The Leaders of the New School. Since then, they have feuded with Bit, uh, Brit Rage, that's uh, Mark Sloan and Wayne Fitzgerald. Again, another guy who I think is underrated is Wayne Fitzgerald. Like, in, in the great thing about these profiles is doing the research that we do, it gives us an opportunity to learn about the guys that are coming up or the guys that we may not be aware of. And when I checked out Wade Fitzgerald, it blew my mind. You gotta go, you gotta go check this dude out if you get a chance. If you don't already know him, you might because you're you're a little bit more mixed in the indie. Uh, in the worldly indie scene than I myself am. But yeah, this Wade Fitzgerald guy, he's something to watch, man. And again, as I mentioned, the cartel, they wrestled these guys as well. Other wrestlers Scroll found himself up against would have been Johnny Kidd, Robbie Dynamite, who's absolutely fantastic. The guy can move. Nick Aldis, which we already know they're running a program together as it stands right now. Andy Simmons and Swiss Money Holden. 
Skrull wrestled and lost to Doug Williams at IPW UK's British National Championship Tournament. Now we fast forward to 2009 on the indie scene. Skrull and Sabre focused their attention on the tag team division. They picked up a, a very memorable win against the tag team champions at the time, the Thrillers, which is Mark Haskins and Joel Redman. Joel Redman is another guy, much like Wade Fitzgerald, who... If you just like everything that British Strong Style is about, yeah. these are the guys you want to get behind. Picture the same height and build of a Trent Seven, if you will, Max with just pure violence. Like, it's just to the nines, this one dude, man. He is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, during the company's February tour, they a highly anticipated rematch finally took place between the teams in 2009 in Sitting Burn Spectacular after the leader's scheduled opponents had to pull out uh, due to injury. This time, the champion championships were on the line and the leaders won, and they claimed their first championship gold at IPW UK. The match was considered match of the year candidate. I did watch the match. It is available on YouTube in its entirety. Check it out. The feud between the leaders and the thrillers became the dominant storyline through the summer, culminating in the leaders winning a tables, ladders, and chair match against their rivals in September. Again, available on YouTube. Check it out. You want to talk TLC matches like the WWE used to do, but upped with like a stick of dynamite and a bottle of Jack Daniels? Yeah. Watch this match. Um, Couldn't have described it better. The leaders have enjoyed an unbroken reign of champion of championships since that time. Scroll and Saber competed in their first match for the newly relaunched Frontier Wrestling Alliance in August 2009, beating Northern Exposure at New Frontiers. The feud between these two teams would continue for the next several months with NX eventually sealing a 2-1 victory in the best-of-three series after defeating the leaders in Brit at British Uproar. In 2010, that's when that happened. Since then, Scroll and Sabre have entered into the promotion's tag team tournament, qualifying for the semifinals after defeating Project Ego at the Art of War. Again, Project Ego, another team, check out. Like, a lot of this stuff, the great thing, again, like I said, the great thing about doing the research that we do and the profiles that we, and the time we put in. People just think we print this stuff off Wikipedia because they probably look at the videos and they see us reading it off. Well, no, no. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. That is what a lot of people do, but it's also, and you know what, I, I stand by my statement that Wikipedia, for the most part, is very on point with their information. And the great thing about Wikipedia is it gives you the meat and potatoes. You don't have to sift through a whole lot. It gives you exactly what you're looking for in terms of a lot of this stuff. And then you can do the rest of the research on your own. It mentions matches, it mentions, it mentions things you should be highlighting, and when you go back and you watch these matches, you can understand why they're on Wikipedia. Yeah. That damn good. And straight up, the, the lost art of uh, what people think are, or what they think they are, are journalists, when uh, you gotta go out and you gotta go do your research. You can't just read a name and then just be like, hey, so uh, I'm just gonna read this and hope for the best and hope that I describe this person exactly the way they are. You gotta research them first before you describe them, people. Yeah, you can't <laughs> just go out there and just throw it out in the wind and be like, hey, look at me. I'm yeah. gonna do my stuff. <laughs> So uh, we're going to fast forward now to 2012 where Scroll defeated Sammy Callahan in the final of the eight-man tournament to determine the new British Cruiserweight champion. And on March 15, 2014, he defeated Cole Cabana in a 30-minute iron match available on YouTube. Fantastic match as well. Uh, that, was, uh, that was to become the first Revolution Pro Wrestling undisputed Brit British heavyweight champion. Try saying that ten times fast. Right. A very long <laughs> title name. Okay? Very, very long. Very long. Uh, he would go on to successfully defend the championship against the likes of Ricochet. Great match. Kevin Steen. Huh, my heart's a flutter. Uh, Martin Stone, Davy Richards, Doug Williams, Shelton Benjamin, which was an epic match that's available on YouTube, Rocky Romero, and others before lo losing the title uh, to the New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling import, AJ Styles. 
in the summer of 2015 at the Summer Sizzler event. Which that's also available on YouTube. And man, that even was though the he lost, Sizzler. even though he lost that match, he won. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I like what you did there. You like you get that right? Even though he lost, he still won. Still won. You don't have to be Ricky Bobby all the time. You don't have to be first to be last. Yeah, you don't gotta be first to be last. It's a hundred percent right. I, I agree with that that format a hundred percent. That's actually one of the few lines of that movie that actually resonates with me. The whole movie's garbage, but that one line doesn't stick out to me. Remember, so, if you're not first, you're last. And then he kind of shifted over for a bit on the indie scene. He debuted for Scotland's, my hometown. I shouldn't say my hometown is born in Canada, but I am, <laughs> I am half Scottish. I am half Scottish. Thank I'm very you. proud to be half Scottish. I'll let you re-answer that. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, I didn't know the host was from Scotland. I'm not born Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but my dad is Scottish. But I'm very father. proud. I'm very proud to rap my Scottish roots, okay? <laughs> I got roots in the old Scotland, the Highlands. Arr. I don't know why I growled there. I'm just I'm very. I'm gonna watch Braveheart later and get all excited. You're gonna watch Braveheart and <laughs> soccer later and get super excited. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna sit there with a beer and just be like, Har. I am William Wallace." <laughs> all right, so and he, I love mid football. I love mid football. So he uh, he premiered for Insane Championship Wrestling promotion in late 2014, unsuccessfully challenging Kenny Williams for the ICW Zero G Championship before continuing to appear for the promotion in 2015. Culminating in the main event non-title loss to the reigning, defending champion at the time, uh, Drew Galloway. Stroll scored his first win in ICW in a four-way match against uh, Noam Dar, Jack Gallagher, and Dan Maloney. On April 4, 2015, at a sold-out British Championship Wrestling event in Scotland, he challenged Galloway in a double title match for both the Evolve World Championship and the DG USA Open the Freedom Gay Champion. Man, their title reigns out there, are very like their names are very long for their championships, man. Um, but was defeated. In October 2015, Stroll debuted for Global Force Wrestling in their UK invasion, losing to GFW Global Champion Nick Aldis in a singles match and teaming up with Rampage Brown in a losing effect against Doug Williams and Aldis. Stroll returned to the company in March 2016, unsuccessfully challenging Sanjay Dutt for the GFW NEX GAN Champion. In early October 2017, at WCPW, refused to lose. I do love their pay-per-view names, though. Yeah. Pay-per-view names are pretty smoky, sexy, man. Summer Sizzler, refused to lose. I love it. He won a triple threat match between Joe Hendry and Will Ospreay and himself to become the sixth and final WCPW champion before the company rebranded to the Defiant Wrestling. On December 4th, at Defiant Wrestling's first eye pay-per-view, titled We Are Defiant. Again, very cool name for a pay-per-view name. Stroll was given the new championship belt by general manager Stu Bennett and had a confrontation with the debuting Austin Aries at the beginning of the show. In the main event of the show, Stroll successfully de defended the championship in a triple threat match between himself, Joe Hendry, and Martin Kirby. However, on December 5th, at Defiant's first episode on our new weekly show, uh, Stroll lost the championship to Aries, ending his 34-day reign. Uh, now we're going to fast forward to... Actually, before we do that... I want to get into some cool clips because there is some clips that um, I think we should definitely talk about or touch on. Uh, I'm going to actually spin, spin ahead here uh, past some of the other stuff. We'll go back. But I'm going to go talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. So in 2017 uh, is when he debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was announced as a participant of the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. He finished the tournament with a record of four wins and three losses, failing to advance to the finals. On November 5th, the power struggle... 
He defeated Will Ospreay to become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. And on January 4, 2018, he lost the title back to Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom uh, in a four-way match also involving Hiromi Takatashi and Kushida. On April 1st, Stroll failed to regain the title from Ospreay at uh, Sucra Genesis. And on May 3rd at Wrestling Don Taco 2018, he and the Young Bucks defeated Bad Luck Fall Tamatonga and Tonga Lo in a, to win the Never Open Six-Man Tag Team Championship. And on May 3rd, they announced that Stroll was a participant of the 2018 Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. Like the previous year, he finished the tournament with a record of four wins and three losses, failing to advance to the finals. And on August 12th, at the G1 Climax Finals, Stroll and the Young Bucks lost the Never Overweight Six-Man Championship to the Bullet Club OGs. Mm-hmm. So I want to touch on, this is why I fast-forwarded a little bit to New Japan. So I want to talk about this clip. This is a clip where I found it online, find it all available on YouTube. Uh, it's him talking about coming into uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and joining the Bullet Club. We already played uh, him joining right after they kicked Adam Cole out during yeah. the Kenny uh, the Kenny Omega profile, right? That we played that clip? Yeah. So we don't need to touch on that clip again. There's no need to go backwards. We're only going to move forwards. So this is a great clip that I found. And again, uh, so YouTube does not screw me over and play some beer ad in the middle of it like it did last time because we're live. But hey, anything can happen. And on live stuff, it does happen. Right. But I think this one will be good. Here we go, guys. Check it out. I'm the villain, Marty Scow. When I was a kid, I had a very short attention span. And obviously, I needed something to do with my energy. And I used to uh, look for the videos, and I found wrestling videos. So wrestling was the thing that really kind of captivated me. I think it was really important for me as a young fan to have these kind of male role models, despite being these large men that beat each other. <laughs> I decided to embrace my inner villain. And turns out people like that a lot more. So I think it says more about other people than it does me. <laughs> I've been in Ring of Honor for a while, and I've actually started riding quite a lot with the Young Bucks, and uh, I've been getting along really well with Cody Rose. So, New Japan actually came to me and suggested about me joining the Bullet Club, and at the time, I wasn't too sure, because I kind of had my own thing going on and everything else, but I guess it was because I was going to Japan and debuting in the Best Super Juniors, and they thought it was a good way to kind of introduce me to their audience. And the more I got thinking about it, the more I thought, actually, no, this is a good idea. I feel like I debuted in the most sort of spectacular way you can in Japan. And what's really cool about Japan is, is how they've managed to take to my character. And I think that's because they're not used to seeing someone like me coming out with a big entrance. And I think I scared a few people, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, they've taken really well to me. And I, I actually love Japan. If people could look at me the same way that I looked at Brat when I was a child, that would be that would be awesome. And, and some fans have turned around and told me that. So I think that's probably the most proudest achievement because for me, I'm just running around the ring acting like an idiot. <laughs> running around my pants, whacking people with an umbrella. So if I can help other people out, then that's a, you know that's a true accomplishment for me. That was definitely uh, a very uh, cool clip, very honest, real, and raw. He spoke about everything, about how he joined the Bullet Club. About, and the fact that I, I like that clip because it's very candid where he says, you know, I wasn't really sure because he had his own thing going on. But I guess at the time, depending on how the road goes, if you will, to go cliche, 
he found himself at a four because he chose to go left instead of going right. And yeah. I think joining the Bullet Club, I mean, that elevated his stock even more. It, it definitely is when I caught him on my radar. Yeah, and that seemed to be the common tale between all of them was really like they, they wanted to kind of keep it like their own thing. Same with the Bucks, same with Cody, same with all that. But then just kind of like a thing of like you kind of just see the writing on the wall of like there's there's too much talent here for me to just go keep going off on my own when they're going to be the ones to come in and come kick my ass at the end of the day. Can't beat them, join them. <laughs> yeah, the Bullet Club is one of those uh, factions. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I didn't say fraction. One of those factions where... Um, uh, it's it stood the test of time, if you will. Yeah. The Bullet Club is. A lot of people think the Bullet Club has been around since you know only Kenny or Cody or no before that AJ Styles. You had um, you had Finn Balor, like oh, you had Finn Balor being the the guy who created it, basically. Yeah, you you had all those things. Well, the face that they made as their first face of the the Bullet Club, right? The say. first official leader, if you will. Yes. Right. So the Bullet Club has been around some time. We're talking about. I almost want to say the Bullet Club has been around for almost ten. Probably about ten years now. Ten years now, and that and that's. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about the lifespan of any faction, yeah, uh, the longest reigning faction after that would probably be DX. But Something again, like again, that. DX has has had moments where they they've stopped, whereas the Bullet Club has stayed very much relevant. Yeah, the Bullet Club doesn't stop. Members come and go, but it still keeps going. And when you're a member of the Bullet Club, you really are in that elite status. Yeah, and it was one of those where they always seemed to... It would be the only faction where they would up the game. And the, like. And if anything, for, for people who are listening right now, we're not going to make this into a thing of, like, we're going to turn this whole thing into a Bullet Club thing. But just, like, it's just really remarkable that the Bullet Club, with now having Switchblade as their as their, their head honcho, um, whatever's going on with him, if he's still the champion, if he's not, I'm not too sure. But uh, the fact that they're still going and that it's been, like, that long of a thing where it's, you know, DX, it, it, it tried to come back and it fizzled out just as quick and nwo it tried to rekindle itself it fell apart really quick four horsemen they tried to rekindle it fell apart really quick it's been Evol a thing. actually evolution has never reunited so that's yeah so it's, it's been a thing where like all those factions that's been the only the bullet club has been the only one that's managed to make themselves relevant in one way shape or form and keep storylines relevant and keep things relevant until finally it was just you know enough's enough and it, all those guys had to just they went they just had a better offer and they just went their their, their own separate ways with it other than that it's been a thing where they've managed to stand the quite the test of time still to this very day yeah yeah and all those guys leaving mind you it, it, the offer was definitely very lucrative for all of them, but it was a chance to, again, wrestle on U.S. soil on a full-time basis yeah. instead of coming back for guest appearances and having your home in Japan, taking nothing away from the scene that is in Japan because Japan Japanese wrestling fans can't touch us with a tent. They can't, we're nowhere close to where they are. We're trying to reach out to them with like a 40-foot pole, and they're still, they're still ahead of us. Like, you know, what I, you know what I'm saying? Like, use the Grinch moniker there, if you will. They're Basically. trying to, they're still so far ahead of us in, in, in what they do and how they live and breathe the business. Where we have passion for it, sure, but their their thing is the next level. Like, if you're a wrestler in Japan, yeah. you're a god. Yeah. You're a god. Especially Here, if you're a wrestler. Gaijin. Especially your popular gaijin over there. It's just like, oh, oh like, yeah. And, and everybody's popular. You go over there as a gaijin, you're basically now, it's impossible to, to not get over if you're going over there. Unless you really find a way to screw it up. Yeah. And do something stupid, but... I mean, everybody that has gone over there has been very successful and, and been very respectful of the business and how they work it. And, uh, you know, it's it, again, the right decision was made by Scroll at the right time because it elevated his stock. Yeah. In another part of the world where his stock 
needed to rise. And yeah. it was the best thing he could have done. Absolutely. So another clip I do want to play right now is this is pretty much him introducing the villain character to the world. This is a great clip, probably one of my favorite promos that he's ever done. I'm actually going to play my favorite promo a little bit later. We're going to get back into the uh, the rest of his wrestling profile. But this is an awesome clip because it's pretty much, you just hear how passionate he is about this character and how well he really does it. And for any young wrestler that's up and coming, because Steve and I, we talk about promos, this and that. Yeah. Steve's all about the build. I'm all about the culmination, but I do enjoy a fantastic talker. When there are, in my opinion, Marty Scroll is hands down one of the best talkers in the game right now. This guy can tell you a story and literally make you believe exactly what he needs you to believe. And if after this clip you're not fully convinced, I literally will play my best promo that I have, my favorite promo of his. And if you're still not convinced, then I don't know what to tell you. Then you need to go watch more Ronda Rousey because yes. we know that you, you've given up on, on wrestling in general, and and yeah, so you, you you need to you need to pay attention to this. All right, here we go, guys. Check this one out. Suppose I best introduce myself. They call me Party Marty. I guess it goes back to my youth. Up all night I was dancing on the dance floor, chasing the ladies, binge drinking. <laughs> Quite the young whippersnapper I was. But as I've got older, as I've matured, I've learned to appreciate the finer things in life. But the one thing that's never changed, my first true love, my real passion, is scrapping and grafting in that professional wrestling ring. You see, when I step through those ropes into that squared circle. I'm a different man. I will do anything, anything it takes to get the job done and put that bread on my table. I do not care who I offend along the way. Thinking about it, I don't think Party Martin was ever truly who I was. And as the old saying goes, you need to die trying to be a hero, 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 or you live long enough to become a villain. super dark and humorous it literally had all its levels it's it sounded to me like it was like just that was his first time trying to show that character off but there was still more to to go into like there was still there's darker there was more like there it was it was great like it was fantastic but then there's that point of like okay there's more that you can go into with this there's further you can go into with this that seems like you're trying to trying to extract almost that penguin character out of you almost that like that really you're you will say absolutely almost like to the point of like joker where it's like you can say absolutely anything and nobody will take anything you're saying as as absolutely crazy because you can't say anything crazier than the last thing you just said you know what i mean so like it, I, I i i loved when i first saw that and i saw it months ago that was the point where i was just like wow this 
this this character is just coming to fruition and it's coming into its own and then now we're going to get into the clip that you're going to play right now which is my all-time to this to this day it's my all-time favorite promo he's done yeah it's my favorite 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 one and it's one of the ones where it's you hear the voice control from the first clip and how he was kind of up and down not sure where he was going and it was almost like he really played it very well as the struggle of party marty and the villain having that inner battle and then getting to the laugh it was that culmination of when do we get to the laugh and when do we well, get to when you're, when you're, when sang, you're when you like i'm crazy. singing in the rain is one of the happiest tunes ever yeah but when he sang it i got like the skin on the back of my neck crawling because they sang it so creepy yeah and and this is and then you see the evolution from that first clip to this one so this is my favorite promo that he's cut to date this one is simply titled villains and demons it's a funny old thing life Sometimes it isn't fair. There's sadness, the loneliness, the torture. Sometimes I feel like the only way I can get through life is through the misery. I know it sounds wrong, but I never claim to be perfect. We all have demons. And I think it's time we stop fighting them. I mean, why do? that we do. Have we truly lost sight of right and wrong? Ask yourself, do you keep secrets? Can you be trusted? I didn't think so. Your demons are deeply ingrained in you from the very start and you cannot fight them. If I got rid of my demons, I'd lose my angels. You feel like you want to save the world, but do you realize what you're asking? The entire planet betrays you. That girl you used to love, don't even speak anymore. There's no guidebook to life. All I can do is give you my advice. Do not fear your demons. It's your best friend. our fears, our own self-destructive nature. Our demon is the worst part of us when we are face to face with our darkest times. Don't throw away the best part of yourself. Take your pleasure in the show of pain. You'll even die trying to be a hero. just getting awe. I always stand in awe like most whenever I watch Marty's stuff it's always uh, just the way it's shot I always just I always get just completely stand in awe of it because it's not enough like for I don't see that enough from from the, the majority of anybody that's gotten a promo these days usually now it's just gotten to a point where it's it's not even like mostly done in ring anymore it's really like everybody just sticks a cell phone in front of front of their face and just tries to cut a promo that way and make it real life and you know this that and the rest of it and give us more into their character but in general like the way that they go about shooting marty's stuff and how control i would imagine that that's the, a lot of it is his ideas of the way he wants it and how he wants it seen and how he wants his character 
portrayed and everything like that. And it's just oh, yeah, but, and that the imagery flows with his words. Yeah, like, the imagery makes crazy sense flows with it. So the to exactly what he's talking about, like the yeah. there's one part. I mean, you guys didn't see, but you can still check the clip out on YouTube. It's there when he said, "There's no guidebook to life." Shot at low angle, on the ground, him in the distance. Walking on just a dirt road. Favorite shot of the whole thing. I was literally like, my my head shakes every time. It's one of those like you just have a have a half cocked smile and you're just shaking your head back and forth, just like holy crap! I can't believe how cool that looks. Right. <laughs> but I mean, the fact of like again, the, the pictures that he paints and the words that he says, yes, and the things that he talks about are so relevant to not just how great his character is, but so relevant to the world at that moment. Yeah. And it's it's. It's it's a it's a talent that not a lot of people in this business today possess. Yeah, like man. you said, everything that we're doing on this side of the world is all real, raw. We're trying to we're trying to cut a promo from a cell phone or tweet something to have a Twitter battle because yeah. that's how North Americans handle their shit now. Yeah, but they're still doing it very much like the '80s, where yeah. they're introducing the character and they have these great promo packages. I almost want to say. To go back to kind of we talked about characters ahead of their time, I almost want to say his promos and the way the pictures he paints, much like, and you did call it the pedophile promo when you heard it, but much like Whale and Mercy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like Whale and Mercy. Not so much the imagery of where he was because he was in a park. But take take the words of what he said and strip him out of a park with kids and just have him in like a dark room. With a light bulb swinging over his face. Yeah, just like trying to cut vignettes to really just get people really hooked on this guy's character. Like even the way they used to do with Razor of how they introduced like it was it was like eight weeks of promos before you would you would even see this guy. Look at my clothes. Yeah. Look at my car. <laughs> when I when people find out I eat here Chico man, they're gonna come by food like the buckets, man. Like don't seriously, you're right. We've lost a step in my and I'm a big advocate, much as you are, of the character. The character is really the fight. I mean, the wrestler has to have talent in the ring. And Scrolls got it by the bucket loads. Yeah. But the character is what defines Scroll. Yeah. Scroll doesn't even have to come out now and kick ass like we know he can in the ring. Scroll can come out, stare somebody down, yeah. grin from ear to ear, and walk out of that arena not uttering a word. And you would just sit there and go... Like, and the and the whole building, the would building just would just go, go crazy. They go crazy. They would go crazy, and it's it, and it's when you know you have something, that's when you literally know you've captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah, when you have that. And so, I'm sure he feels that every time he puts those sunglasses on. Every time he grabs that umbrella and puts those sunglasses on, it really I can't see him not turning into that like that of turning it up. But whatever everybody else turns up in their characters, it's like he is really Marty Skirt. Like everything about his villain character is just turned up times. So if it's times half a million, it's times a million for this guy. All right, so I'm going to touch on a couple brief ones, and then I'm going to play uh, one of my other uh, my honorable mention promos. Uh, you know, Villains and Demons and this other promo that I'm going to play a little bit later. It was a toss-up between the two of which one is more my favorite. Villains and Demons just has the edge a little bit. But this one yeah. I'll play after the bit. But let's just finish up the uh, his wrestling uh, you know career as it stands right now. So from 2012 to 2017, he was part of Progress Wrestling. Um, he was part of the part of the very first show, which was called Chapter One, in a tournament to determine the first ever Progress Champion. He beat Zack Saber Jr. in the acclaimed semifinal match, which again is available on YouTube in its entirety and is absolutely fantastic. And uh, he did that right before competing in a in a four way match for the title against 
Mike Mason, El Ligero, and the eventual winner, Nathan Cruz. Scroll went on to challenge Cruz for the title in a two out of three falls match in Chapter 2, but he failed to capture the title. Competing regularly for Progress, he was notably part of a four-way match for the Progress Championship at Chapter 12, facing Rampage Brown, El Ligero again, and then the eventual champion, or the, uh, and then champion, Jimmy Havoc. And fighting again for the title at Chapter 18 against Will Ospreay, Noam Dar, Dave Mastiff, Paul Robinson, and the champion, Jimmy Havoc. Uh, Scroll reached the quarterfinals of the first Super Strong Style 16 tournament in 2015, beating Eddie Dennis on day one, and Dave Mastiff in the quarterfinals before losing to Zack Sabre Jr. on day two. He was the runner-up to Mark Haskins in the 2015 Thunder Bastard match at Chapter 2020. He lost to Chris Travis at Chapter 21, and Travis's final match before retirement from wrestling and death from stomach cancer. Scroll turned firmly villainous following this match, gaining a determined, uh, a demented mean streak that saw him win the Progress Championship for the first time in a no-disqualification match against Will Ospreay at Chapter 25. All I have to say about this no-disqualification match is two words. And we don't drop swear words a lot in the show. As much as we used to, we've evolved since then. But holy fuck. Right? That no DQ match is everything you want to see in a no DQ match and more. Yeah. Like, again, available on YouTube in its entirety. I can't stress this enough, guys. The information is out there about this man, and his credentials are legit. I don't, for, for, for all intents and purposes, go back to the first clip I played where New Japan reached out to him to join the Bullet Club. What does that tell you? Yeah. It's not like he came into New Japan and was like, hey, I, I want to join the Bullet Club. It was like, no, no, listen, you're coming here. We want you to join the Bullet Club. Yeah. And why do they want him to join the Bullet Club? Two words. That elite. Hot commodity. Thank you. Even better. Your two words are better than my two words. It's 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 true. I just I look at this guy and I look at the shirt you're wearing. Is it wearing a villain enterprises shirt? It's like it's, it's okay, a beautiful shirt. Not mind you, it was from the Bullet Club era, but at the same time, there's not been one thing just playing off angels and demons and doing the, the villains and demons and just like Every bit of idea that <clears throat> spills out of this guy screams money. It's not just another thing that's just, ah, it's another idea, it's a classic Vince McMahon thing to do of like, you know, and I take nothing away from it because it's a great idea. It's a classic businessman move. Where you, you, you start with stuff and you see how it works and you start with anything, see if it works and keep going and, and, and take it from there. If it's working, it's working. But for him, it's literally a thing of like, wow, every idea that's coming out of your, every idea that comes out is just screams money. It's the right idea. Yeah. It's the right idea. It was the right idea from the start. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the character just keeps evolving more and more and getting better and better. Hundo P. Uh, so from that point, he went on to successfully defend a title against Mars Haskin and Chris Hero and Tommy N in singles competition and against seven opponents in 2016 Thunder Bastard match, which he won. He was the first Progress Champion to defend a title overseas successfully, defending the belt against Will Ospreay at WrestleCon Super Show in Dallas, Texas, and against Zach, Zach Gibson in Italy for Power Wrestling Entertainment. He eventually lost the title to Pastor William Ever at Chapter 22 and regained it a month later at Chapter 23, making him the first person to ever win the Progress Championship more than once. After successfully defending the belt against Mark Andrews at Chapter, uh, chapter 35, he lost the championship to Mark Haskins in a triple threat match uh, also involving Tommy End at Chapter 36. Progress's biggest show to date held at the Brixton Academy in London. During the match, Scroll attacked three referees and he became frustrated at not being able to win before attacking a fourth official and Jimmy Havoc, <laughs> which would eventually lead to his loss. 
A chapter 38 scroll filled and regained this title <laughs> in a match that also included Jimmy Havoc after being disqualified for, again, tagging Havoc and another referee. Uh, they had a no-disqualification match in Chapter 40 where he lost. In 2017, Skull returned to progress in Chapter 55, being defeated by Zack Sabre Jr. I just love it. I love it. He, uh, he attacked three referees. Then he attacked Jimmy Havoc upon After return. all the other losses. And then he attacked like, okay, a fourth referee. super pissed. I've had enough. And attacking everybody. I'm just going to beat. Can't take losing yeah, anymore. It would have been awesome if he's like, you pull this fan out of the audience and start beating the crap out of them too. You know what I mean? You know what? Actually, I've changed my tune as of late with uh, with with losses. So that's going to be really good to actually talk about in the next little bit. Once once, once we wrap this up, because I don't want to take too much away from you know being able to finish up the rest of his program. I honestly have literally yeah. maybe another five minutes. We'll play the final three clips that I got. We'll do a little open discussion and wrap it cool, up. Cool, because I'm really into. I want to. I want to talk about that of just Marty's lost track record and everything. What it actually means and how it is indifferent from a lot of other uh, villains, quote unquote. Right. Uh, so uh, TNA, he wrestled from 2012 to 2013. Uh, he began competing on their program, a British Boot Camp, beginning in January 2013 on Challenge. The February 14th edition of Impact Wrestling, he teamed up with the Blossom Twins, Hannah and Holly, to face the team of Jesse. Gutters, Tara, and Gail Kim. They were defeated after Gail Kim pinned Hannah. During the match, Skrull was injured after performing a suicide dive into the metal railing. Uh, he also wrestled for Pro Wrestling Gorilla from 2015 to the present. Uh, a couple notable things about that is he made his debut at Battle of Los Angeles 2015. He beat Rich Swan in round one, Trevor Lee in the quarterfinals. He lost to Zack Sabre Jr. in the semifinals. He also suffered a string of losses, losing to Ricochet at All-Star Weekend and Timothy Thatcher at night two. Kyle O'Reilly at All-Star Weekend 12, and Chuck Taylor on Night 2. The, at, at Prince, he won the match against Mark Andrews, and at 13, gained a victory over Sammy Callahan. In September, Skrull participated in the 2016 Battle of Los Angeles, defeating Pentagon Jr. in the first round, Cody Rhodes in the corner finals, Mark Haskins in the semifinals, and both Will Ospreay and Trevor Lee in a three-way elimination final to win the entire tournament. Yeah. That match is available also on YouTube in its entirety. And so is Cody and uh, Skrull. Oh, yeah. Cody, Cody and Skrull. Cody and Skrull. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty much... George, George is doing the We're Not Worthy. It's like, that's that's literally uh, what, what what that match is. Go back and check that out. Yeah. It, and it, the finals, of course. Just, you know, if you can, try to find the whole tournament. Go find the that, whole tournament. It's one hell of a tournament. Yeah. It's one hell of a tournament. I wish they had that available on DVD. I would buy that in like a second. Right. It would be an import. It would cost like 150 bucks, but it would be worth it. Right. It would be worth it. All right. We got Ring of Honor from 2016 to the present. So uh, on August 22nd, 2016, uh, he announced uh, they announced Skrull's upcoming debut for the promotion. Uh, pro Wrestling Torture Pro that Skrull has signed with the company after giving his notice to Evolve uh, the previous month. Skrull made his ROH debut during the promotion's three-day tour of the United Kingdom in November. On November 20th, during the final day of the tour, he defeated Will Ospreay to win the ROH World Television Championship. He successfully defended the title against previous champion, champion Osprey and Dragon Lee in a triple threat match at ROH's biggest pay-per-view of the year, Final Battle 2016. The beginning of 2017 saw Skrull make successful defenses of his title against Juice Robinson, Donovan Dijak, Sanjay Dutt, Leo Rush, and Adam Cole. The match with Leo Rush, my opinion, underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Leo Rush, a lot of people know him as the hype man. Uh, for the almighty Bobby Lashley, but he's so, he's literally so much, no, he really is, he's so much more than that. No, that's and why I, I, I laugh, gotta say because it, he's it, incredible, he's one of the greatest guys, he's one of the best talents on the roster. And they don't use him enough in the ring, which is sad. 
which is really sad, but they yeah. should because Vince McMahon should go back and do his research and watch this match with Leo Rush because it's definitely yeah. underrated. I wanted it's to not... see him and Finn Balor actually have a, a match, like literally have a pay-per-view match. I thought that's what that was going to be about, and then you finally, really, everybody yeah. would have finally gotten a chance to see that. Well, we also thought Kofi was going to be putting a match in Fastlane. It didn't happen. So no, exactly. WWE is doing whatever they're doing. Bottom line is, uh, Leo Rush is absolutely incredible. If you had a chance to go back out and go watch anything else that he has ever done besides uh, what you've seen in 205, what you've seen on the main roster, please do it because he's a talent not like none other. Yeah. And uh, during uh, successful defenses against Frankie Tarzan and Hangman Page and the returning Matt, uh, Matt Seidel. Uh, on April 29, 2017, in Masters of the Craft, he successfully retained the television championship against Ken Anderson. Which is again a really awesome match. Awesome match. And on May twelfth, two thousand seventeen, during the third night of the New Japan Pro and ROH co-produced War of the Worlds tour, was revealed as the newest member of the Bullet Club, replacing, at the time, Adam Cole. Baby, baby. Two days later, on the final night of the they tour, they haven't said it in a long time. It was fine. You could get away with it. They Thank haven't you. Said, they haven't said it. In a, it's been great. It's been fantastic. I love it. Anyway, keep going. So, uber sensitive about baby. Because it's shit, but keep going. Baby! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, I lost my place here. Where was it? Oh, right. Two days later, on the final night of the tour, Scroll lost the ROH World Television Championship to Kashada, following a distraction from Cole. Uh, the Elite minus Scroll left ROH after December 14, 2018's Final Battle pay per view. During an angering promo for the first night's television tapings in Philadelphia, Scroll will be confronted by the Kingdom, which was led by led the former to unveil his new stable, Villain Enterprises, with Brody King and PCO. A brawl ensued, which ended with Villain Enterprises standing tall. I'm actually going to play that clip right now. Okay. Let's discuss the elephant in the room. Well, you know what? I feel like I've been beating around the bush here for far too long now. If we're honest with ourselves, for the longest time, I've been the top guy here in Ring of Honor. There's not a soul in that and building that could dispute that. I took the top prize that represents it. That's when I won the survival of the fittest. I have the right to call myself the number one contender for the world championship. Something that I have never held. And last night, I made my intentions clear when I confronted the Ring of Honor world champion, Jay Lethal. Come on, it's like Beetlejuice. Anytime you say world champion three times, it brings out this guy. Oh, look, and he has his merry band of gentlemen with him. He is a Marty, champion. He's Marty, a Marty, Marty, champion. how many times? How many times do we have to go through this? How many times are you going to make yourself look like the Melvin you are? How many times are you going to be foolish? Jay Lethal is not the Ring of Honor World Champion. I'm the Ring of Honor World Champion because I'm Matt Taven. 
and Mari, I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Because right now, what do you have, Marty? You don't have a friend in the world, Marty. You got no backup, Marty. And you're standing here surrounded by an entire kingdom. Nobody wanted him out of here anyway. <laughs> what you, you know what? You're all right. My friends have left me. But it doesn't mean I can't make new ones. Whoa! What just happened? The lights have gone out here in Philadelphia. This is complete darkness here in the arena. Electricity. I've been seeing this, and, and the rumors have been have been swirling. So dope, just so dope. Man. Yeah, between the logo and like uh, that was the that was the best line you could have finished with the promo and everything, and just like man, the, the, yeah, the, 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 the homie just screams money every yeah. single time. Yeah, and he's just very slick and awesome the way he does it. So the next clip I'm gonna play is him and Nick Aldis having a conversation. You actually dropped this clip a couple weeks ago on all of our Straight Talk socials, which is absolutely fantastic that you did. I was gonna play it. But it was an awesome lead into the eventual profile that we did. This was one of my clips that we we're gonna play regardless. But in case people missed it on socials, it's available on all socials. But check out this clip. This is a great this is just showing his talking ability hanging in there when it comes literally down to rocking gold. Because what he wants, and when he wants it, is nothing but to be the top of the pyramid. Yeah, and I think this was uh, the setup for this was uh, Nick Aldis. He came out and he was looking for a tag partner. Uh, it was for some sort of tag tournament that's going on in the, the end. That's going on in the NWA. For, oh yeah, for the for the for the Crockett Cup. 
my goodness, for bringing when they brought back the Crockett Cup. <laughs> my apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but they needed it. Nick Aldis needed a tag partner for the Crockett Cup. Out comes uh, the villain Marty Skrull, thinking that uh, Nick Aldis will acquire his new tag partner, and then that went very south very quick. Well, first things first, Nick. I think you and everyone here knows that all my friends are dead. That being said, Nick, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, 15 years ago, I gave you a phone call and asked you for a ride. And ever since then, we've had a friendship. We've traveled the road together. We've had the ups, we've had the downs, but most importantly, I knew it didn't matter where any of us was, you always had my back. And Nick, look at this, look how far we've come. Both of us come from tiny little country towns in the United Kingdom, and we've gone on to be two of the most famous wrestlers in the whole entire world. Look at you, you're the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Look at me, I'm the freaking villain, baby. I basically run this place. Together, Nick, we could be unstoppable. And you know, it's because of all those reasons, all those points that you brought up, that at the Crockett Cup, I would love to stand in the ring with you. As your opponent fighting you for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. took an unexpected turn. <laughs> but I wouldn't expect any less from a villain. You know what? I do want to be considered the greatest NWA world champion of all time, and the only way to do that 
but to defend it against the best in the business today. You are that man. On April 27th, you've got your match. I love how classy that is. Like it's like usually like it's always this 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 thing of like there's a there's a tussle and then uh, you, the you, girl might have hit scroll with the belt. Something. The announcer might have got inadvertently pushed out of the ring. Yeah. All kinds of things. I love with. how they stick with NWA and how how they love to stick with class all through and through. But uh, my, once again, my apologies, ladies and gentlemen, with the Crockett Cup. That is an ode to uh, Jim Crockett Promotions that was. Once when they had, when the NWA, before it changed to WCW, that it when, when it, before they made that turn, that they had the Crockett Cup before that. And so it was their way of, uh, the NWA has, has been doing a lot of nostalgic things as of late, but bringing back the Crockett Cup is probably one of the biggest things that they've, they've done as of late. Yeah, it's definitely an ode to uh, legends past. And again, the NWA title has its long line of lineage. Yes. And uh, why shouldn't Marty Skull be considered for that category? Exactly. And, uh, you know, him and Nick Aldis are going to just tear it down. They're going to tear it up. It's going to be a great match to watch, yeah. uh, for sure. But uh, I'll play this clip right before we wrap it up, which is my, my honorable mention promo before we wrap it up. But I do want to get into a little bit of an open discussion uh, very quickly. Not going to take up too much time. But you wanted to touch on a couple of things in terms of the losing record. Yeah, cause and we were... in terms of wrestling today, because a lot of people have the misconception that if you're losing, you're not winning. Yeah. And as we can see, Marty Scroll had a ton of victories, but he also had a ton of losses. And I said earlier in the show, even if you're losing, sometimes you're still winning. Yeah. And I believe that's the same point that you and I want to touch on, but I'm going to let you take the floor, because I did a lot of talking today. Go ahead. Um, you, you know, and thank you, by the way. Um, I, you know what? I, I just, I think w because we, we were talking about like Samoa Joe and guys like that, that, uh, if, if you're on the losing end of things, you're not really going anywhere. There's not really a whole lot to invest. There's all this and that and the rest of it. And, and revival believe, would, revival would also be in that category too. Cause coming yeah. up to the main roster, loss after loss after loss, right? Exactly. And that's the whole point now, which, in which I feel like this will shed some light. This will really shed some light. Cause it really did in my mind. It really helped me understand after, uh, after discussing this actually with performers and actually really getting a chance to really understand this for what it is. There's a complete difference in when you have, uh, characters like the revival, when you have characters like Samoa Joe, were very, 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 very serious when it comes to the way that they're portraying their characters and how they're when when they when they say what they mean, they mean it because they're they mean it and they mean business. So that's what they're trying to say is I'm, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to put you to sleep, or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to boots baby, boots yeah, exactly, fist to faces. And when you're losing all the time, then it kind of deflates your character. It really does. It genuinely does. But when you have a funny villain, like specifically, actually, I believe it was uh, when I, when this came to fruition for me was when I listened to a recent interview with Enzo Amore as well, when it really went over the top for me. With discussing with performers and also listening to an interview with Enzo Amore, um, and then discussing the concept that if you are a serious villain, quote unquote, a and heel. If you're if you're a real heel heat and you're looking for heel heat and you're just looking to be the guy to come in there and kick everybody's ass and that's what you keep talking and you keep losing. It literally just deflates your character completely because mm -hmm. that's that's your point. That's what you're trying to make, and you're not doing any of it. So there's nothing really to invest in. But when you're a funny villain and you're a funny guy, like you get to the point of all all it takes is just being a villain, and this is just categorizing it in in, in general in generally within that funny villain character. 
when you take a villain and you have this guy come out and basically just talk all this crap about how I'm going to beat the crap out of this guy nine ways a Sunday and I hate this guy so he's so scared of me and he's not coming back and this guy's out and I ran this guy completely out of town. And then the next thing you know is music hits and the same guy talking all this crap about him runs immediately out of the ring to try and find the safest place to hide. It's like that's really what it comes down to of that kind of funny esque villain character, and especially with you know Marty being on being the elite and everything like that, you really get it. You really get the concept of just how funny his his character really is. But also how to, dark and how dark his character. His character, like what we when you put, yeah. you did a great post uh, leading up to this episode. Uh, kudos to you. But when I shared on my personal page, the one thing I I said was uh, again because I'm all about the the character aspect of it and how dark it is. I'm yeah. very big on, on dark and demonic stuff. I love that stuff. I mean, exactly. You see the man cave that we rock our show out in every week. There's nothing about this man cave that says friendliness with all the posters hanging on the wall. Right. So I'm all about the blood and the guts. But I've simply said, when the sun sets, the villains come out to play. This Friday, we'll be going live for the first time in weeks to literally talk and go as deep down the rabbit hole as we possibly can. And I think we've succeeded in that. I think we've shed some light on people who may not fully understand everything that is Marty Scroll. And everything that is the character of Marty Scroll, and everything that nowadays wrestling is relevant again, for for better lack the last forget yeah. the last forget from 2003 to 2015, forget it. Yeah, it was a bad time in wrestling. We had the little tail end of the of the ruthless aggression era leading into the PG era. Let's go from 2015 to now, the last yeah. four years. We had been listening to the same. We've been watching the same match and listening to the same promo for like the for that like 15 year period. And now it's come to a point where wrestling is hip. It's cool. It's relevant. It's great to be a wrestling fan, and there's no problem with being a wrestling fan before. We've been wrestling fans for the better part of our entire lives. Yeah, just like guys who are flexing their character muscles, just like this. Yeah, and it's a chance that now a lot of freedom is there. And this is, again, why guys like Marty Scroll, like Cody Rhodes, like the Young Bucks, like a Kenny Omega, like so many guys have yet to grasp or go anywhere towards the WWE because they know that they will lose all the time they've invested. These aren't characters that just flip from heel to face to heel to face. Yeah. These are characters time that, have, that have evolved and blossomed and bloomed and, and took a very long time for the water to boil. Yeah, but now that the water is boiling, and these guys like you go on prowrestlingtees.com, you go on any of the statistics, you look at the top selling shirts. Uh, four out of five of them are the Bullet Club. Yeah, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, Marty Scroll, they're all there. They're literally the top. the The fifth one may flip flop between uh, you know Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch. Seriously, that's those who are the guys ones who sell the most on prowrestlingtees.com. But and, and why is it that? Because you can literally walk around. Like, I took my wife and my daughter to go see Mariana's Trance a couple days ago in downtown Toronto. And I had my rocking my villain shirt. Because I love it. I'm a big Marty Scroll fan. I've always yeah, been. I've been at a least fan. one person, though, as soon as you got off, as soon as you got off the train, or as soon as you got out of the car, came or you were walking past somebody and was like, oh, man, that's a cool shirt. Yeah. I got that I got that twice at the concert. Yeah, man. I got that once buying food at the venue. I got that once having smoke outside the restaurant, waiting for my wife and daughter to finish their desserts. Yeah. Outside waiting. I literally had some passerby in the street literally walk by me, then cycle back and go, dope. Yeah. And literally keep walking. Like, now wrestling is relevant again to the point where it's a great time to be a fan. It's almost like the Monday Night Wars without the Monday Night Wars. The great thing is there's so much competition, but there's so much room for everyone to get a piece of the pie. 
Yeah. And now we're starting to experience what these guys can do with their characters and how far they can really take it. So kudos to a guy like Marty Scroll, who's developed and taken the time to twist and turn his character the way it needs to be. Kudos to the people that shoot his promos the way his vision sees. Kudos to the people who allow fans like us to have the ability in a great day and age where the internet does a lot of bad things, but occasionally does a lot of cool things, which is give us a chance to research and look up these wonderful characters, these wonderful people, these amazing wrestlers, and see the athleticism beyond the WWE. When we started this show, we literally started it as a WWE show. We talked Raw and SmackDown results almost every week for a good 20 episodes. Yeah. Then we decided that we didn't like what we were talking about. Yeah, you we want to listen to WWE shit? Go listen to What Culture and go listen to Sam Roberts and go listen to all that stuff. They'll tell you. They'll tell you all about what's going on with WWE. Yeah, but here at Straight Talk, we evolved and we changed. We decided that we wanted to start researching wrestlers for our own benefit, bringing yeah. the information to the world. Then we decided that, you know what, not only do we want to showcase these great talents that are out there in the world indie scene, we want to showcase what's happening right here in our own backyard. And we've been able to do that with such great flair and components in very short period of time, like six months, we've literally sat down and talked with some amazing people. And these are all going to be the people that you're going to be hearing about years later from, from, from now. You'll be hearing about these names and be going, oh my God, where did they come from and blah, blah, blah. And so now you'll have the opportunity to listen to it firsthand. Exactly. You'll hear where they'll they, be dropping those names in a couple more minutes. Yeah, right? you'll, you'll hear those. You'll hear those stories, and you'll hear those those situations from where they started to where they are at this moment. And then we're gonna we're gonna hit back. We're gonna get back with them in a year or two and see where they are at that point. Yeah. Because we know their star is just gonna keep growing. The names I'm talking about is Gigi from Shooting the Indies. He's the man who literally uh, photographs all the beautiful imagery at almost every uh, great indie wrestling event here in in Canada. And uh, right after him, we got Kobe Durst dropping. We got Holden Albright dropping. And last but certainly not least, Lionel Knight, a.k.a. Black Lavender, Black baby. And, and you know what, man? It's, it's all three of those. My, and, and Gigi, uh, he, he's the photographer, but really the fact that he's the only guy out there that's really trying to go and tell those stories in the way that, and you'll hear in, in depth in his in, in his incredible the stories that came out of, of uh, the, how it was just a, literally an idea from the year before where he just he literally picked up a camera the year before and then a year later he's made himself into this conglomerate of now he's out there filming he's shooting everybody and telling great great stories within his pictures and that's the thing well and that's what, the thing right a lot so of well. a lot of people say a picture could tell a thousand words his yeah. pictures actually do tell they a really story. Do. You can look at that picture, one of them. and you can remember the entire match from just his photo. Exactly. You can sit back and go, fuck, that was, wow, fuck, that was a great match. Yeah, man, and just a guy that's out there, not only the way the wrestlers are reinventing everything, the way that this guy has reinvented, the way that people take uh, photography, I guarantee he's going to be reinventing everything as far as what, what everybody's going to be doing in the future. But as far as the actual wrestlers themselves, um, the performers, um, they're out there doing exactly the same thing that Marty is as accomplished. So they're they're really going out of their way. You'll hear it within their stories, all individually of the way that they try to craft their characters, how much in depth and how much quality that they really try to provide for the fan that is out there trying to trying to just watch a great wrestling match and get into a really great great character. Yeah. So those are episode seventy six all the way up to episode well yeah episode eighty. Those are the four yeah. guys that are dropping. So Gigi drops next week, week after that, Kobe Durst, week after that, Holden Albright, and week after that, Lionel, uh, Lionel Knight. So it's going to be just uh, 
these conversations are great. We just can't wait for you guys to hear them. A lot of work went into preparing these interviews, and we're honored that these guys took the time out to come to us and sit down and talk to us in depth, which was absolutely fantastic. Phenomenal. So that's it for this episode. I am going to play this honorable mention promo that I had. Then we're going to wrap it up. And right after the clip, I'm going to play our intro music. We're not going to do any intros. We're just going to leave you hanging. No, I'm going to play the clip. But we're going to say our goodbyes now. As always, I am your host with the most, George McKay. I'm Steve the Animal Mitchell. We'll see you guys next week. And after all these interviews drop, these are all pre-recorded. We'll be back again live. And I think back again live might be your possible turn at a profile. Yes. That'll be my that'll be my turn, kick at the can, and we'll be letting you guys know what that is, who that is in the upcoming weeks. Yes. All right, guys. Here's my honorable mention, Marty Scroll Formo. As always, stay safe, love wrestling, and love yourselves. Peace out, guys. Peace. I see it. I see it every day. People talking to themselves. People envisioning themselves of who they want to be. But they do not have the courage. They are not bold enough to be who they really want to be. Unlike myself, the coat to the glasses I wear on my face to the freaking umbrella. This is me. I put myself in the position where I'm vulnerable and open to criticism. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!